0: So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, what's new with me on this last episode of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer? I kind of have a heavy heart over it, Uh, even though it's racist. Uh, it's... It's racist. I can't try to downplay it. It's got some racial stuff in there that's kind of annoying and disturbing. And I understand it's of its times. I'm not trying to beat up on it or give it to a higher standard than it deserves or whatever. But uh, it's too bad it's in there uh, that he didn't have a sense of uh, longevity. uh, Because uh, it's a great, cute, adorable little story. Better than uh, the Sunshine Town. One that I read a while ago This one's actually adorable and cute Except for the racism That's what puts the big mark on it that stinks But anyways uh, So yeah, summer's ending I just had a FaceTime call with my daughter Where she was freaking out About all the school supplies And books we gotta get and stuff And uh, what the school schedule's gonna be Because they're doing a hybrid school thing Where sometimes they're in the school Sometimes they're at home at least until everyone starts getting sick, and then it'll just make everyone stay home. So, uh, it's, uh, summer's ending. You wouldn't know it, because it's hot like the devil out there. But you start to see the long shadows, and that's how you can kind of tell the fall's coming. So, uh, it's, uh, it's poignant that summer is ending, Tom Sawyer's ending, and I gotta start finding other stuff to read. Uh, gotta get ready for October, my favorite month where I read spooky ghost stories. I gotta find something spooky to read. But in any case, uh, beyond that, I only just recorded uh, last night. And, uh, recording now, just ahead of time, so my kids are gonna be around. They always ruin my ability to read. So I'm recording ahead of time. I got nothing to report. Uh, my friend John was over, but I already talked about that in the last episode. Uh, I finished my nook, but I talked about that in the last episode. Uh dieting I talked about that in the last episode. What happened today? Uh, got up for work. I stayed up too late doing stuff, editing the episode you heard before, this one. And then I didn't get to bed till like 2 because I ate something late at night, which is a mistake for the diet. And then I went to bed at like 2 or 2.30 and woke up super tired and didn't exercise much and wound up not getting a lot of work done. And I just felt like a turd. The whole day was shot. But then I recorded Book Boys with Ben, and that was fun. And uh, now I'm doing this. My basement hasn't had any more mice, it looks like. But they're probably just sitting around watching me. Just because they're not in a trap doesn't mean they're not alive. Watching me. I got the little boy down here. Uh, He's been walking around, so hopefully he's catching anything, which will be disturbing if I find at the end of this episode. And that's it. I got nothing else. Uh, I can't wait to finish this up so I can go upstairs and edit the Book Boys podcast in my beautiful reading nook. Which maybe I'll have a picture of if I get a picture that's nice enough. Uh, but also it's none of your business. It's my private life and butt out. Let's read the story. Well, for the last time, let's read and learn a little something about Samuel Langhorn Clemens, also known as Mark Twain. Did you know that uh, he wrote an essay from the perspective of Satan composing a series of letters about Earth? Uh, Link to the full text it's at the bottom of this Wikipedia page. No, oh, that's weird that they put that in there. Uh, didn't uh, someone else do that? the something letters dang it my brain is just poop right now ah dang it he wrote Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe and the screw tape letters is what he wrote but I can't remember his name and I'm not going to stop the show to look it up that's what happens when you are tired from podcasting late at night because that's how you party when you're middle aged Uh, Mark Twain also discouraged the use of exclamation marks because it was like laughing at your own joke. I kind of agree with that. Every time I'm reading something that has an exclamation mark, uh, I think it's kind of dumb. It just comes off weird. And you can, I don't know, unless the person's shouting, because like, oh my God, that guy has a gun, then it makes sense. But if it's like, I can't believe that it's so sunny out, then it's just annoying. Despite making dozens of recordings of his voice on wax cylinders, no known recordings of Mark Twain's voice are known to have survived. Well, uh, someday someone will find it, and I'm sure it'll be a lot of money. Nikola Tesla and Mark Twain were friends. Uh, they became friends after Tesla cured Twain of constipation by passing an electrical current through his body. I think we've read that before. Mark Twain patented, uh, under his real name of Samuel Clemens, uh, the Adjustable and Detachable Straps for Garments, ADSG, or Suspenders, in 1871. Suspenders are from 1871. I thought suspenders were from, like, the Middle Ages. Uh, the earworm phenomenon, a song that you can't get out of your head, has been discussed since the 19th century and was written about by Mark Twain. Eh, kind of going down these lines and all you know, the greatest. Uh... That's uh, kick-ass facts for you. Well, it's better than what you expect. Let's go see what we can find at whatthefact.com uh, for the last time. Uh, ooh, Uh, Did I already do interesting facts about Adolf Hitler? Well, if I didn't, I'm doing it now. Uh, World War I, while he was recovering from the gas attack that Hitler heard of the German defeat, he was furious over the surrender of Germany and strongly believed that Germany had been stabbed in the back by uh, its leaders and Marxists. Uh, All right, whatever. Uh, On November 8th, 1923, Hitler attempted a coup, more famously known as the Beer Hall Putsch. Probably not saying that right. He was caught and sentenced for high treason. However, he only served one year in prison. Oh, was that the one year that he wrote Mein Kampf? Apparently, Hitler wrote the first volume of his book Mein Kampf, uh, My Struggle, while serving his time at the Landsberg prison. He wrote it in one year. The book laid out his plans for transforming German society into one based on race. Ugh. I wonder if things would have changed in the world if he never went to prison. Well, that's pretty much it. Let's read about his final days. The corpses of Braun and Hitler were fully burned when the Red Army found them. Only a lower jaw could be identified as Hitler's remains. Yeah, why they do that? It's kind of like with Osama bin Laden. They killed him, which we have no video footage of, and then they buried him at sea. Why wouldn't you bring him back so everyone knows for sure he's dead? But they didn't. And uh, same thing with Hitler. Why would they want to do that? I don't know. Because now there's conspiracy theories all over the place. I could go off on a big tangent. I'm not going to. This is the last book of Tom Sawyer, not about Hitler. So let's dive into the story. Chapter 33 Within a few minutes, the news had spread. And a dozen skiff-loads of men were on their way to McDougal's cave, and the ferry boat, well filled with passengers, soon followed. Tom Sawyer uh, was in the skiff that bore Judge Thatcher. When the cave door was unlocked, a sorrowful sight presented itself in the dim twilight of the place. Injun Joe lay stretched upon the ground, dead, with his face close to the crack of the door, as if his longing eyes had been fixed to the latest moment upon the light and the cheer of the free world outside. Tom was touched, for he knew by his own experience how wretched had, how this wretch had suffered. His pity was moved. But nevertheless, eh, he felt a sense of relief and security, now which revealed to him, in a degree which he had not fully appreciated before, how a vast weight of dread had been lying upon him since the day he lifted his voice against this bloody-minded outcast. Engine Joe's bowie knife lay close by, its blade broken in two, the great foundation beam of the door had been chipped ah, and hacked through with tedious labor. Uh, useless labor, too, it was, for the native rock formed a sill outside it, and upon that a stubborn material the knife had wrought no effect. The only damage done uh, was the knife itself, but if there had been no stony obstruction, There the labor would have been useless still For if the beam had been wholly cut away Injun Joe could not have squeezed his body under the door And he knew it So he had only hacked that place in order to be doing something In order to pass the weary time In order to employ his tortured facilities Ordinarily uh, one could find a half dozen bits of candles Stuck around in the crevices of this vestibule uh, Left there by uh, tourists Uh, But there is none now the prisoner had searched them out and eaten them. He had also contrived to catch a few bats. and These two, burp, also had eaten, ah, leaving only their claws. The poor unfortunate had starved to death. In one place, near at hand, a stalagmite had been slowly growing up from the ground for ages, uh, builded by the water drip from a stalactite overhead. The captive had broken off the stalagmite, and upon the stump he had placed a stone, wherein he had scooped a shallow hollow to catch the precious drop that fell once in every three minutes, with the dreary regularity of a clock tick. Ah, the desert spoonful once in four and twenty hours. That drop was falling when the pyramids were new. When Troy fell... When the foundations of Rome were laid, when Christ was crucified, when the conqueror created the British Empire, when Columbus, ah, sailed, when the massacre at Lexington was, quote, news, it is falling now, and it will still be falling, when all these things shall have sunk down in the afternoon of history, and the twilight of tradition had been swallowed up in the thick night of oblivion. they a purpose and a mission? Uh, Did this drop fall patiently during 5,000 years to be ready for this flitting human insect's need? And has it uh, another important object uh, to accomplish 10,000 years to come? Uh, No matter. It has uh, many, many a year since the hapless half-breed scooped out the stone to catch the priceless drops. But to this day, the tourist stares longest at the pathetic stone and the slow-dripping water when it comes to see the wonders of McDougal's cave. Injun Joe's cup stands first in the list of the cavern's marvels. Even Aladdin's palace cannot rival it. Injun Joe was buried near the mouth of the cave, and people flocked there in boats and wagons from the towns and from all the farms and the hamlets for seven miles around. And they brought the children uh, and all sorts of provisions and confessed that they had almost a satisfactory a time at the funeral as they would have had at the uh, hanging. <laughs> This funeral stopped the further growth of one thing, the petition to the governor for Injun Joe's pardon. The petition had been largely signed. Many tearful and eloquent meetings had been held, and a committee of sappy women had been appointed to go in deep mourning and wail around the governor and implore him to be a merciful ass and trample his duty underfoot. Injun Joe was believed to have killed five citizens of the village, uh, but what of that? And if he had been Satan himself, uh, there would have been plenty of weaklings ready to scribble their names to a pardon petition and drip a tear on it uh, from the permanently impaired and leaky waterworks. The morning after the funeral, Tom took uh, Huck uh, to a place to have an important talk. Huck had learned all about Tom's adventure from the Welshman and the Widow Douglas by this time, but Tom said he reckoned there was only one thing they had not told him. That thing was that he wanted to talk about now. Huck's face saddened, he said, I know what it is, Uh, you got into, no, two, oh, number two, uh, and never found anything but whiskey. Nobody told me it was you, uh, but I just know it must have been you. As soon as I heard about whiskey business, and I'd known you hadn't got the money because you'd uh, got me at some way or the other and told me, even if you're mum, to everybody else. Tom, something's always told me we'd never get a hold of that swag. why, Huck? I never told on the tavern keeper. You know his tavern was all right the Saturday I went to the picnic. Don't you remember uh, you was to watch there that night? Oh, yes. Why, it seemed about a year ago. It was that very night that I followed Injun Joe to the winners. Uh, you followed him? Oh, uh, yes. But you keep mum. I reckon Injun Joe's left friends behind him, and I don't want him souring on me and doing me mean tricks. If it hadn't been for me, he'd be down in Texas right now, all right? Then Huck told his entire adventure in confidence to Tom, who had only heard of the Welshman's part before. Well, said Huck presently, coming back to the main question, whoever nipped the whiskey in number two nipped the money too, I reckon. Anyways, it's a goner for us, Tom. Huck, that money wasn't ever in number two. Uh, What? Huck, that's an exclamation point right there. We just learned he doesn't do that. Huck searched his comrade's face keenly. Tom... Have you got on the track of that money again? Ah, uh, Huck, it's in the cave. Huck's eyes blazed. Uh, say it again, Tom. Ah, uh, the money's in the cave. Oh, Tom, honest engine now. Is it fun or earnest? Uh, uh earnest, Huck. Just as earnest as ever is in my life. Uh, will you go in there uh, with me and help get it out? Oh, I bet I will. I will if it's where we can blaze our way to it and not get lost. Huck, we can do that without the least bit of trouble in the world. Uh, good as wheat. What makes you think the money is Huck? Uh, you just wait now uh, until we get there. And If I don't find it, I'll agree to give you my drum and uh, everything in the world. Uh, I will buy jings. Oh, all right, it's a whiz. But when do you say it? Uh, right now, if you say it. Are you strong enough? Uh, is it uh, far in the cave? I've been on pins a little uh, three or four days now, and I can't walk more than a mile, Tom, uh, lest I don't think I could. Uh, it's about five mile in there uh, to the way anybody would go, Huck. But uh, but there's a mighty shortcut that they don't know, uh, that they don't anybody but me know about. Oh, that's a wordy little sentence, Huck. I'll take you right to it. Hit a skiff. Oh, I'll float the skiff right down there, and I'll pull it back again all by myself. You needn't ever uh, turn your hand over. Well, let's start right off, Tom. All right. Well, we want some bread and some meat. Oh, and our pipes. And a little bag or two. And uh, two or three kite strings. And uh, some of the newfangled things they call Lucifer matches. I tell you, many's the time. I wish I had some when I was in there before. A trifle afternoon, the boys borrowed a small skiff uh, from a citizen who was absent and got underway at once. And when they were several miles below Cave Hollow, Tom said, "Uh, now... You see this bluff? Oh, the cat's in the drawer. Hey, come on out. You're going to kill me. And now you see this bluff here looks all alike all the way down from the cave hollow. No houses, no wood yards, uh, bushes all alike. Uh, but do you see uh, that white place up yonder where there's been a landslide? Oh, well, that's one of my marks. Uh, we'll get ashore now. They landed. "'Now, Huck, where we we're a-standin', you could touch that hole I got out of with a fishing pole. Uh, see if you could find it.' Huck searched all the place about and found nothing. Tom proudly marched into a thick clump of sumac bushes and said, "'Here you are! Oh, look at it, Huck. It's just the snuggest hole in the country. You just uh, keep mum about it. All along I've been wanting to be a robber, but I knew I'd got to have a thing like this, and where to run across it was the bother.' We've got it now, and we'll keep it quiet. Well, uh, only we'll let Joe Harper and Ben Rogers in. Eh, because, of course, there got to be a gang, or else there wouldn't be any style about it. Tom Sawyer's gang. It sounds splendid, don't it, Huck? Uh, well, it does, Tom. And who will we rob? Oh, most anybody. Waylay people, and uh, mostly the way. Uh, kill them? No, not always. Uh, hive them in the cave, until uh, they raise a ransom. Uh, what's a ransom? Uh Money. You make them raise all they can off of their friends, and after you've kept them a gear, if it ain't raised, then you kill them. That's the general way, only you don't kill the women. You shut up the women, uh, but you don't kill them. They're always beautiful and rich, oh, and awfully scared, and you take their watches and things, and then you take their hat off and then you talk polite. Uh, but they ain't nobody as polite as robbers. Uh, you'll see that in any book. Well, the women get to loving you. And after they'd been in that cave a week or two weeks, uh, they stopped crying, and after that, you couldn't get them to leave. If you drove them out, they'd turn right around and come back. Uh, It's so in the books. Well, that's a real bully, Tom. I believe it's better to be a pirate. Yeah, it's better in some ways, cause it's uh, close to home and circuses and all that. By the time everything was ready and the boys entered the hole, Tom in the lead, they toiled their way uh, to the further end of the tunnel and then made their spliced kite strings fast and moved on. A few steps brought them to the spring, and Tom felt a shudder quiver all through him. He showed Huck the fragment of candle wick perched on a lump of clay against the wall and described how he and Becky had watched the flame struggle and expire. The boys began to quiet down, uh, to whispers now, for the stillness and gloom of the place oppressed their spirits. They went on and presently entered and followed Tom's other corridor until they reached the jumping-off place, in quotes. The candles revealed the fact that it was not really a precipice, uh, but only a sleek clay hill, uh, 20 or 30 feet high. Tom whispered, "Uh, Now I'll I'll show you something, Huck. And he held his candle aloft and said, Look, as far around the corridor as you can, you see that? There, uh, the big rock over yonder, uh, done with candle smoke. Oh, Tom, it's a cross. Uh, Now where's your number two? Uh, Under the cross. Hey, right yonder's where I saw Injun Joe poke up his candle. Huck! Huck stared at the mystic sign a while, and then said with a shaky voice, "Uh, Tom, let's get out of here. What, and leave the treasure? Yes, leave it. Injun Joe's ghost is around about here, certain. Oh, no, it ain't, Huck. No, it ain't. It wouldn't haunt the place where he died, away from the mouth of the cave, uh, five mile from here. Uh, no, Tom, it wouldn't. And it would hang around the money. Oh, I know the ways of ghosts, and so do you. Tom began to fear what Huck was right. Misgivings gathered in his mind, but presently the idea occurred to him. Uh, Look here, Huck. What fools we're making of ourselves. Injun Joe's ghost ain't gonna come around when there's a cross. Yeah, the point was well taken. It had effect. Tom, I didn't think of that. Ah, uh, but that's so. It's luck for us, uh, that cross is. I reckon we'll climb down there and have a hunt for the box. I'm closing the drawer. The cat's finally out. There we go. Tom went first, cutting rude steps in the clay hill as he descended. Huck followed, and four avenues opened up out of the small cavern which the Great Rock stood in. The boys examined three of them with no result. They found a small recess in the one nearest the base of the rock with a pallet of blankets spread down on it, oh, and an old suspender, uh, some bacon rind, and the well-gnawed bones of two or three fowls. Eh, but there's no money box. The lads searched and researched the place, but in vain. Tom said, eh, he said, under the cross. Well, this comes nearest to being under the cross. It can't be under the rock itself because that set solid on the ground. Oh, they searched everywhere once more and then sat down discouraged. Huck could suggest nothing by and by, and Tom said, Hey, looky here, Huck. Uh, There's footprints Uh, on some can of grease on the clay about one side of the rock, but not on the other side. Now, what's that for? Oh, I bet you the money is under the rock. I'm going to dig in the clay. "Uh, That ain't no bad notion, Tom, said Huck with animation. Tom's real barlow was out at once. What's a real barlow? Well, now I'm going to look that up and then make you all sit and wait. A real Barlow. Nothing from Wikipedia. Nothing from translation. Nothing from the dictionary. Well, I'm too lazy to go get it up on the internet. Uh, I don't like to do that too often. It's uh, tedious. So he's out at once, and he had not dug four inches before he struck wood. Hey, Huck, you hear that? Up began to dig and scratch now. Some boards were soon uncovered and removed. They had concealed a natural chasm, which led under the rock. Tom got into this and held his candle as far under the rock as he could, but said he could not uh, see to the end of the rift. He proposed to explore. He stooped and passed under... Uh, the narrow way descended gradually. He followed its winding course, at uh, first to the right and then to the left. Uh, Huck was at his heels. Tom turned a short curve. Uh, by and by, there's that again, and exclaimed, "My goodness, Huck! Looky here! It was the treasure box. Sure enough, occupying a snug little cavern, along with an empty powder keg, eh? Uh, and a couple of guns and leather cases, two or three pairs of old moccasins, a uh, leather belt." "'some other rubbish and well-soaked water drip. "'Got it at last,' said Huck, "'plowing among the tarnished coins with his hand. "'Ah, uh, my, but we're rich, Tom. "'Huck, I always reckon we get it. "'It's just too good to believe, it, but we have got it. "'Sure, say, let's not fool around here. "'Let's, uh, snake out. "'Let me see if I can lift the box.' "'It weighed about, uh, oh 50 pounds. "'Tom could lift it, after an awkward fashion, "'but could not carry it conveniently. "'Oh, I thought so,' he said. They carried it like it was heavy that day that they haunted the house. I noticed that. I reckon I was right to think of fetching uh, the little bags along. The money was soon in the bags, and the boys took it up to the cross rock. Now let's fetch the guns and things, said Huck. No, Huck, leave them here. They're just the tricks to have uh, when we go to Robin. We'll keep them there all the time. And we'll hold our orgies there, too. <laughs> it's an awful snug place for orgies. What orgies? I don't know, but robbers always have orgies. Oh, my God. And, of course, we got to have them, too. Oh, my God. (laughs) Come along, Huck. We've been in here a long time. It's getting late, I reckon. I'm hungry, too. We'll eat and smoke when we get to the skiff. They presently emerged into the clump of sumac bushes, uh, looked warily out, found the coast clear, and were soon lunching and smoking in the skiff. As the sun dipped toward the horizon, they... Pushed out and got underway. Tom skimmed up to the shore uh, through the long twilight, chatting cheerily with Huck, and landed shortly after dark. Uh, now, Huck said, "Tom, I will hide the money in the loft of the widow's woodshed, and I'll come up in the morning and uh, we'll count it uh, and divide it, and then we'll hunt up a place out in the woods for it where we will be safe. Just you lay quiet here and watch the stuff till I run and uh, hook Benny Taylor's little wagon. I won't be gone in a minute." He disappeared. And presently he turned to the wagon and put two small sacks into it and threw some old rags on top of them and started off dragging his cargo behind him. When the boys reached the Welshman's house, they stopped to rest. Just as they were about to move on, the Welshman stepped out and said, Hello, who's that? Uh, Huck and Tom Sawyer. Oh, good. Come along with me, boys. You are keeping everyone waiting. Here, hurry up, trot ahead. I'll haul the wagon for you. Why, it's not as light as it might be. You got bricks in it? Uh, or old metal? Uh old metal, said Tom. I judge so uh, the boys in this town will take more trouble and fool away more than time hunting up six bits worth of old iron to sell to the foundry when they could make twice as much money at regular work. Uh, but it's the human nature. Hurry along. Ah, uh, hurry along. "'The boys want to know what the hurry is about. "'Never mind, you'll see when we get to the Widow Douglas.' "'Huck said with some apprehension, "'for he was long used to being falsely accused. Uh, "'Mr. Jones, we haven't been doing nothing.' "'Ah,' the Welshman laughed. "'Well, I don't know, Huck, my boy. "'I don't know—why am I talking like that? "'I don't know about that. "'Ain't you and the Widow good friends?' "'Uh, yes. Well, she's been good friends to me, anyway. "'All right, then. Uh, what do you want to be afraid for?' "'This question was not entirely answered in Huck's slow mind "'before he found himself pushed, along with Tom, "'into Mrs. Douglas' drawing room. "'Mr. Jones left the wagon near the door and followed. "'The place was grandly lighted, "'and everybody that was any consequence in the village was there. "'The Thatchers were there, the Harpers, the Rorgeses, Aunt Polly, Sid, Mary, Burp, the minister, the editor, the great many more, and all dressed their best. The widow received the boys as heartily as anyone could well receive two such-looking beings. They were covered with clay and candle grease. Aunt Polly blushed crimson with humiliation and frowned and shook her head at Tom. Nobody suffered half as much as the two boys did, however. Mr. Jones said, uh, Tom wasn't at home yet, uh, so I gave him up. But I stumbled on him and Huck right at my door. And so I just brought them along in a hurry. And you did just right, said the widow. "Uh, Come with me, boys. She took them to a bedchamber and said, "Uh, Now wash and dress yourselves. Here are two new suits of clothes, Uh, shirts, socks, everything's complete. Uh, They're Huck's. No, no thanks, Huck. Uh, Mr. Jones bought one and I get the other. Uh, But they'll fit both of you. Get into them. We'll wait. Come down when you are slicked up enough. And then she left. Oh boy. Chapter 34, last chapter. Huck said, Tom, we can slope. If we can find a rope. Uh, The window ain't high from the ground. Shucks, what do you want to slope for? Well, I ain't used to this kind of crowd and I can't stand it. I ain't going down there, Tom. Oh, bother. It ain't anything. I don't mind it a bit. I'll take care of you. Sid appeared. Tom, he said, Auntie has been waiting for you all afternoon. Mary got your Sunday clothes ready and everybody's been fretting about you. Say, ain't this grease and clay on your clothes? Now, Mr. City, you just tend about your own business. What's all this blowout about anyways? Ah, it's one of the widow's parties that she's always having Uh, this time it's for the Welshman and his sons on account of the scrape they helped her out of the other night and say I could tell you something if you want to know well what well Mr. Jones is gonna try to spring something on the people here tonight and I overheard him tell auntie today about it it's secret but I reckon it's not much of a secret now everybody knows the widow too for all she tries to let on she don't Mr. Jones was bound Huck should be here couldn't get along with his grand secret without huck you know secret about what sid uh, about huck tracking the robbers uh, to the widows i reckon mr jones is going to make a grand time over his surprise but i bet i will drop it pretty flat sid chuckled uh, in a very contented and satisfied way sid what is it that told oh never mind who it was somebody told that's enough Sid, there's only one person in this town mean enough to do that, and that's you. If you had been in Huck's place, you'd have sneaked down the hill and never told anyone about the robbers. You can't do any but mean things, and you can't bear to see anybody praised for doing good ones. There. No thanks, as the widow says. And Tom cuffs Sid's ear, it helped him to the door with several kicks. Now go tell Auntie if you dare, and tomorrow you'll catch it. I'm really reading... Excitedly, I don't know what's going on. I have had some coffee. Some minutes later, the widow's guests were at the supper table, and a dozen children were propped up at the little side tables in the same room. After the fashion of that country and that day, at the proper time, Mr. Jones made his little speech, in which he thanked the widow for the honor that she was doing himself and his sons, but said that there was another person whose modesty, dash, and so forth and so on. He sprung a secret about Huck's share in the adventure in the finest dramatic manner he was master of. Ah, but the surprise it occasioned was largely counterfeit and not as clamorous and effusive as it might have been under the happier circumstances. However, The widow made a pretty fair show of astonishment and heaped so many compliments and so much gratitude upon Huck that he almost forgot uh, the nearly intolerable discomfort of his new clothes and entirely intolerable discomfort of being set up as a target for everyone's gaze and everyone's laudations. The widow said she might give Huck a home under her roof and have him educated, and that when she could spare the money she would start him in business in a modest way. Tom's chance has come, he said. Ah, Huck don't need it. Huck's rich. Nothing but a heavy strain upon the good manners of the company kept back the due and proper complimentary laugh at the pleasant joke, but the silence was a little awkward. Tom broke it. Huck's got money. Maybe you don't believe it, uh, but he's got lots of it. Oh, you needn't smile. I reckon I could show you. Yeah, just wait a minute. Tom ran out of the doors. And the company looked at each other with a perplexed interest and inquiringly at Huck, who was tongue tied. "Uh, Sid, uh, what else, Tom? said Aunt Polly. He, uh, well, there ain't any making of that boy out. Uh, I never. Tom entered, struggling with the weight of his sacks. And Aunt Polly did not finish her sentence. Tom poured the mass of yellow coin upon the table and said, There! uh, What'd I tell you? Half of it's Huck's uh, and half of it's mine. The spectacle took the general breath away. All gazed. Nobody spoke for a moment. There was a unanimous call for an explanation. Tom said he could finish it, and he did. Ah, The tale was long, but brimful of interest. Burp. Who burps from drinking coffee? Apparently I do. There was scarcely an interruption from anyone to break the charm of its flow, and when he had finished, Mr. Jones said, I thought I had fixed up a little surprise for this occasion, but it don't amount to anything now. uh, This one makes it sing mighty small I'm willing to allow. Uh, The money was counted. The sum amounted to a little over $12,000. It was more than anyone present had ever seen at one time before, though several persons were there who were worth considerably more than that in property. Oh, I was wrong. There's another chapter, chapter 35. Well, here we go. Chapter 35, uh, the reader may rest satisfied that Tom and Huck's windfall made a mighty stir in the poor little village St. Petersburg, so vast a sum. All in actual cash seemed uh, next to incredible. It was talked about, eh? Uh, gloated over, glorified, until the reason of many of the citizens tottered under the strain of the unhealthy excitement every, quote, haunted house in St. Petersburg and the neighboring villages was dissected, plank by plank, and its foundations dug up and ransacked for hidden treasure. And not by boys, ah, but men. Petty, grave, unromantic men, too. Some of them. Uh, wherever Tom and Huck appeared, they were accorded, uh, admired, stared at. The boys were not able to remember uh, what their remarks had possessed uh, way before, but now their sayings were treasured and repeated. Everything they did seemed somehow to be regarded as remarkable. They had evidently lost the power of doing and saying commonplace things. Moreover, their past history was raked up and discovered to bear marks of conspicuous, conspicuous. Uh, I jumped ahead. Originality. <laughs> the village paper published a biographical sketch of the boys. The widow Douglas put Huck's money out at six percent and judge thatcher did the same with tom's At on polly's request each lad had an income now that was simply prodigious a dollar for every weekday in the year and half of the sundays it was just what the minister got no it was what he had promised He generally couldn't collect it. A dollar and a quarter a week would board, lodge, and school a boy in those simple days and clothe him and wash him too, for that matter. Judge Thatcher had conceived a great opinion of Tom. He said that no commonplace boy would ever got his daughter out of the cave. Uh, when Becky told her father in strict confidence how Tom had taken her whipping at school, uh, the judge was visibly moved. And when she pleaded grace for the mighty lie which Tom had told in order to shift that whipping from her shoulders to his own, the judge said uh, with a fine outburst that it was a noble, generous, a magnanimous lie. A lie that was worthy to hold up his head and marched down through history history breast to breast. Oh, eh, well, I shouldn't be reading three chapters in a row. Then all of a sudden everything turns into verbal garbage. But George Washington's lauded truth about the hatchet. Becky thought her father had never looked so tall and so superb as when he walked the floor and stamped his foot and said that. She went straight off and told Tom about it. Uh, Judge Thatcher... I uh, hoped to see Tom, a great lawyer or a great soldier, some day. He said he meant to look at it uh, that Tom should be admitted to the National Military Academy and afterward trained in the best law school in the country, in order that he might be ready for either career or both. Huck Finn's wealth uh, and the fact that he was now under the Widow Douglas's protection uh, introduced him into society. No, dragged him into it, hurled him into it, and his sufferings were almost more than he could bear. The widow's servants kept him clean and neat and combed and brushed, and they bedded him nightly in unsympathetic sheets uh, that had not one little spot or stain which could be pressed to his heart uh, and no for a friend. He had to eat uh, with a knife and fork. He had to use a, a napkin and a cup and a plate. He had to learn his book, and he had to go to church. He had to talk so properly that speech was become insipid in his mouth, Whithersoever he turned, the bars and shackles of civilization shut him in and bound him hand and foot. He bravely bore his miseries three weeks, and then one day turned up missing. For forty-eight hours, the widow hunted for him everywhere in the great distress. The public were profoundly concerned, and they scratched, they searched high and low. It's the verbal garbage is happening. They dragged the river for his body. Uh, Early the next morning, Tom Sawyer wisely went poking among some old empty hogsheads uh, down behind the abandoned slaughterhouse, and in one of them he found the refuge. Huck had slept there. He had just breakfasted upon some stolen odds and ends of food and was lying off now in comfort with his pipe. He was unkempt, ah, uncombed, and clad in the same old ruin of rags that had made him picturesque in the days when he was free and happy. Tom routed him out, told him the trouble he'd been causing, and urged him to go home. Huck's face lost its tranquil content and took a melancholy cast. He said, eh, don't talk about it, Tom. I've tried it. It don't work. It don't work, Tom. It ain't for me. I ain't used to it. Ah, the widder's good to me and friendly, but I can't stand them ways. Ah, she makes me get up at the same time every morning, and she makes me wash, ah, comb me, all to a thunder. And she won't let me sleep in the woodshed. I got to wear them blamed clothes uh, that they just smother me. Tom, they don't seem to any air get through them. Uh, Somehow, and they're so rotten nice, I can't sit down, nor lay down, nor roll around anywheres. I had slid on the cellar floor for, well, it appears to be years. And I gotta go to church. Oh, and sweat and sweat. I hate them ordinary sermons. I can't catch a fly in there. I can't chaw. I can't, uh... I, oh, I got to wear shoes all Sunday. The widow eats uh, by a bell. She goes to bed by a bell. She gets up by a bell. Everything's so awful regular. My body can't stand it. Well, everyone's got it that way, duck. i tell it makes no difference. I ain't anybody. I can't stand it. It's awful to be tied up, so. And grub comes too easy. I don't take no interest in fiddles that way. I got to ask to go fishing. I got to ask to go swimming. I durn if I have to ask to do everything. Well, I gotta talk so nice it ain't no comfort. I gotta go up to the attic and uh, rip out a while uh, every day. Get a taste in my mouth. Uh, or I, I'd a died, Tom. The widder wouldn't let me smoke. She wouldn't let me yell. She wouldn't let me gape. What's gaping? Nor stretch nor scratch uh, before folks. Then with a the spasm of special irritation and injury. And dad fetch it. Uh, she prayed all the time. I had never seen such a woman. I had to shove Tom. I had to. And besides that, school's gonna open, and I had to go to it. Well, I wouldn't stand for that, Tom. Look at here, Tom. Uh, being rich, it was cracked up to be. Uh, it's just worry and worry and sweat and sweat, uh, wishing you were dead all the time. And all these clothes suits me. Ah, uh, and this barrel suits me. And I ain't ever gonna shake him anymore, Tom. I wouldn't ever uh, got in all the trouble. If it hadn't been for that money. Now, you just take my share of it along with yours and give me a ten center sometime. Not many times, because I don't give a dern for a thing, uh, Thou it's tolerable hard to get. And you go and beg off me with the uh, widder. Oh, huck. You know I can't do that. Tain't fair. And besides, uh, if you'll carry this thing just a little while longer, uh, you'll come to like it. Uh, like it? Uh, yes. The way you like a hot stove, if I was to sit on it long enough. No, Tom, I won't be rich, and I won't live in them cursed, smothery houses. Oh, I like the woods. Oh, and the river. And hogsheads. And I'll stick to them, too. Blame it all. Just as we got guns and a cave and all that fixed to rob, here this dern foolishness has got to come up and spoil it all. Tom saw his opportunity. Hey, looky here, Huck. Being rich ain't uh, going to keep me back from... Turning robber? No. Oh, good licks. Are you in real Deadwood, earnest, Tom? Ah, uh, just as dead earnest as I'm sitting here. But Huck, we can't uh, let you get in a gang if you ain't respectable, you know. Huck's joy was quenched. You can't let me in, Tom? Uh, don't you let me go for a pirate? Oh yes, but that's different. A robber is more high toned uh, than what a pirate is, "'It's a general thing. In most countries, they're awful high up in nobility—dukes uh, and such. Oh, no, Tom, ain't you always been friendly to me? Uh, you wouldn't shut me out, uh, would you, Tom? Uh, you wouldn't do that. Now, would you, Tom? Oh, Huck, I wouldn't want to. And I don't want to. Uh, but what would people say? Why, they'd say, Tom Sawyer's gang? Yeah, pretty little characters, in it? it? Yeah, they'd mean you, Huck, and you wouldn't like it, and I wouldn't. Huck was silent for some time. I engaged in a mental struggle. and Finally, he said, Well, uh, back to the winter for a month, and... "'tackle it and see if I can come to stand it. "'If you'll let me belong to the gang, Tom.' "'Oh, all right, Huck. "'Oh, it's a whiz. "'Come along, old chap, and I'll ask the widow "'to let up on you a little. Uh, "'Will you, Tom? Uh, "'Now, will you? Uh, "'That's good. If "'She'll let up on some of the roughest things. Uh, "'I'll smoke private and cuss private "'and crowd through our bus. Uh, "'When you go uh, start uh, the gang, uh, "'and when you get turned robbers?' "'Oh, right off. Oh, "'We'll get the boys together and have an initiation "'tonight, maybe.' ooh have the witch the initiation what's that oh it's a swear to stand by one another and never tell the gang secrets even if you're chopped up into flinders uh, and kill anybody and all his family uh, that hurts one of the gang oh that's gay oh that's mighty gay Tom I tell you well I bet it is and all that swearing has got to be done at midnight uh, in the lonesomest awfulest place you can find Uh, a haunted house is best but they're all ripped up now well midnight's good anyway Tom Oh, yes, so it is. And you gotta swear on a coffin. Uh, eh, yeah, yeah, and sign it with blood. No, no, that's something I like. Why, it's a million times bullier than pirating. I'll stick to the winter uh, till I rot, Tom. And if I get uh, to be regular ripper or robber, and everyone's talking about it, I reckon she'll uh, be proud she snaked me in out of the wet. Oh, well, now I'm just starting to get annoyed. I thought it was done two chapters ago, but now there's a conclusion. But apparently it's really short, so I'll read it. So endeth this chronicle, it being strictly a history of a boy. It must stop here. The story could not go much further without becoming the history of a man. When one writes a novel about grown people, he knows exactly where to stop. Uh, That is, with a marriage. But when he writes of juveniles, he must stop where he best can. Most of the characters that perform in this book eh, still live. And are prosperous and happy. Someday it may seem worthwhile to take up the story of the younger ones uh, again and see what sort of men and women they turn out to be. Therefore, it will be wisest not to reveal any of that part of their lives at present. Okay, now I'm done. Well, what do we learn here today? We learned that... Uh, bittersweet endings stop being so bittersweet when they drag on and never end. Oh, here I was all worked into a lather about the end of summer being signaled by this uh, end of this book. And now tonight was a uh, passage of one season and one memory into the next. Though I'm excited for my future of new books uh, and fall weather... And, uh, hopefully still keeping my job. I'm also bittersweet at having to let go of a time that I enjoyed so much with the mice in my basement and the flies I was constantly fighting. And the furloughs and the fear of disease. Uh, but it wouldn't end. Oh, I thought I only had two chapters left. Oh, wait, there's another chapter. Okay, so finally I finished that, but I'm going into verbal garbage because I've been reading for like an hour. And then all of a sudden, it's conclusion. And I sat there debating for a second. Ah, I don't have to read that, do I? It's just be Mark Twain saying, like, "Ah, do you you like my book? Uh, I like my book. Did you like my book? But nope, got to play this out. So I read the conclusion. Now I just kind of, it's kind of exhausted and lost all the wistfulness of the moment. So, how does this tie in with what I said before? I don't care. Uh, I don't uh, like that I had a. Spend any time talking about Hitler. Why would I go in that direction from whatthefact.com? And now I'm just kind of crabby that uh, the conclusion of this book took so dang long. And now i got to go upstairs and go edit the show that Ben and I did. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'll have another episode this uh, Sunday, probably. And, uh, uh, uh bye.